We have 18 verses from the book of Genesis, so I actually divided it into two so that we could take on part and then take on the next part, and we don't have to run through the the marathon of going through all 18 verses, and then you have to remember them all. We'll just start with, with the first half. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Did God think this was funny? Was Abraham's life just some kind of big old joke to God? Let's recap. Abraham was living in the land of Ur, and God out of nowhere came and said, I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to need you to pick up your family and move them hundreds of miles away to a place that, don't worry, I'm going to show you. He's given a task, but absolutely no reason, even if he would have asked why, it wasn't like the Lord had given him a reason why he needed to go to that land instead of stay in this land and just receive the blessings, but... But Abraham went, and he gets to the land, and we're told what happens? Famine. Shoot, if only God could have seen that one coming. So Abraham has to go down from the land of Canaan down to Egypt, and then he goes from Egypt back up to the land of Canaan. It turns out that Abraham, in this little little, uh, trip, has to travel 900 miles. I just drove 900 miles on vacation on the way up to see my family, but I had a Honda Accord. Abraham certainly did not. Was this all supposed to be some type of joke to God? That he was just going to push Abraham around and and bully him until he really knew that, that Abraham was completely devoted to him? Then God goes a step further. Mind you, during this trip, he's 75 years old. This is a, an older gentleman that, that doesn't need to be walking 900 miles anymore. Now Abraham's 100. And after decades of what I'm sure was sadness and heartache, God says, hey, I'm going to give to you and your 90-year-old wife a son. Why couldn't God have done that 70 years ago? Why did God make them go through all of that, that heartache and, and the suffering that maybe was a part of it, the sadness? Why, why, did, why did God wait? 
And then he just sort of flippantly says, yes, you, Abraham, being 100, are, are, are going to have a child with your 90-year-old wife. You would think that eventually Abraham would go, God, can't any of this just be, can't any of it be easy? And then we get to our section for today. Abraham has that son, that son that he loves so, so much. And what does God do? He looks at him and he says, now, Abraham, are you ready to go kill your son? Because that's what we're going to do today. Gutting. Even with strong faith that had to have been gutting. Why did God have to make it so difficult? Why couldn't have God made Abraham's ability to follow him easy? Why does it seem like he had to jump through all of these hurdles and go through all of these trials and temptations and tribulations just so that God would know that Abraham loved him? Well, let me say this. God knows how much Abraham loves him. God, if he wanted to, would be able to look into Abraham's heart the exact same way he looks into every single one of our hearts and goes, boom, there is faith, rock-solid faith that I put there. I know you, your whole being, better than yourself. And there's the point. God knew Abraham's faith. But you know who maybe needed to see it? Abraham. You know who else? Maybe Isaac, too. And even us, 4,000 years later, in this room right here, get to see the faith of Abraham on full display. It's one of the more fascinating parts of this section as you go through the first 10 verses and you realize that, that Abraham knows there's something up here. Abraham knows that, that there's another story, that there's something else going on, and you can hear it in the way that he talks twice. He turns to his servants and he says, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now maybe Abraham was just saying that to throw him off so that they wouldn't try to stop him, but I think there's something more there. Abraham has every intention to go right over there and do exactly what his Lord had told him to do, but he trusted that he was going to come back to that exact place and he was going to be with his son. Listen to how he talks to Isaac, too. Isaac asks, where's, where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? What are, we, what are we doing here, Dad? And Abraham says, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And yet, and yet as, we, as we get along in this story, we start to realize that Abraham had every, every intention of lifting that knife and bringing that knife down. He had every plan of sacrificing his son right there. So where did this confidence come from? It's not like Abraham was sitting there for a while with the knife in the air going, okay, God, anytime now you want to stop this? That's not what was happening. Abraham was totally ready, completely ready to give up his son to the Lord. In fact, we get uh, 2,000 years later, we get an insight into what Abraham was thinking what was on his heart at the time when the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 17 through 19, it says, By faith, Abraham, when tested by God, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. 
he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. This is the important part. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham was ready to go all the way. He was ready to sacrifice his son. In his brain, his son was already God's. His son was already dead. But he had that trust. He had that faith in his heart that said, this, this can't be the end of the story. And that's all because of just five chapters before in Genesis Chapter 17, listen to the way that God makes this promise. God is talking to his servant. He says, then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. Sure enough, that happened. And you will call him Isaac. Okay, so we are talking about this son, not some other son. We're talking about this son, Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant. Great, his son had the promise of the Savior. But listen to this last part. For his descendants after him. God had made a promise to Abraham that this young boy, Isaac, was going to have descendants. And so in Abraham's mind, no matter what happened as he's going to sacrifice his son, no matter what tragic death would take place there, Abraham in his heart of heart knows, I don't I'm not the one that has to make good on this promise. God is. He's looking at these two things that are seemingly coming into conflict. My son's going to be dead, yet God said my son is going to have all sorts of descendants. How is this going to work? And ultimately, what did Abraham do? Did he try to figure it out himself? Did he ask why? He went, nope, you know whose problem that one is? God's. I'm going to do what the Lord of glory says to me. And if there's something that runs into conflict, if there's a problem there, I'm going to go ahead and, and leave that a step above my pay grade. And I'm going to let him take care of that issue. In Abraham's brain, it wasn't just that, that God could raise someone from the dead. In his brain, Abraham was saying, God will raise my son from the dead. It is this incredible, incredible faith in an impossibility. The resurrection of the dead and yet it lie at the heart of Abraham's faith, and it's at the heart of ours as well. Listen to the second part of Genesis chapter 22. It says, But the angel of the Lord called out from him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld your son from me, your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth 
will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Abraham was willing to do anything for God. Abraham was willing to do something crazy for God. And as we hear the way that that Isaac is talked about, how over and over again in this section it is highlighted, we are not just talking about one of Abraham's sons, which which would be terrible on its own right. We are talking about Abraham's only son. All of a sudden, our minds flash forward 2,000 years. God spared Isaac that day. He said, you have given him to me in your heart, and so I I don't need him to be taken from you. But 2,000 years later, God was going to take his son and give him up. Not just in theory. Instead, he was going to watch him die on the cross. He wasn't going to spare his own son because he knew what was riding on it. He knew that your forgiveness and my forgiveness was riding on the fact that his son had to be sacrificed. And so God said, I will go through the heartache. I will go through the torment of forsaking my own son, of laying all of the sins of the world on him so that your sins would not be counted against you. God said, I will take that burden upon me so that it need not be on you. And he gave up his son. but he doesn't leave it there. No, he does exactly what Abraham expected him to do with his son. He brings Jesus back from the dead in order to show that that, that that final battle that final enemy that you and I have, that that thing that feels so final, death itself is no match. In fact, it is a joke when standing next to the power of of our God most high. Brothers and sisters, we got plenty of whys in our lives. Why is God making me go through this? Why can't the Christian life be easier? Why can't my life with my family be easier? Why can't my, my work be easier? Why do I have to battle and battle and battle every day against, against the things that are around me, the wickedness that's around me, and yes, the wickedness that lives in here. At a certain point, we go, God, why? Why won't you just take it away and call an end to it and make sure that I don't ever have to battle again? Why is it, God, that you are making me stand firm in the faith every single day? Why can't I just get a day off? God was forcing Abraham to be dependent on him. God was going to have to take care of the problem, not Abraham. God has to take care of the problem, not us. That is the reason for the trials and the tribulations. It shows us the faith that God has given to us. Faith is called a gift, and we know that God has given each and every one of us a full measure of it, a saving measure of faith. And there are these moments in life where God says, I need you to see that you can't do this on your own, that salvation and this life don't come from you, but they come from me. And so he sends those trials, those challenges, that cause you to sort of scratch your head, ask why, and then go, you know what? 
there you go, God. Because I don't know how to take care of this, and I'm pretty sure you do. That's how he deals with the wise. And yes, that's why he gives us these wise. I, I tried to find a way to sort of s- simplify this. What, what, what are we talking about when we talk about trust in God? About trust in God in the face of all of the challenges. It is about still loving and trusting in your Lord. Even when, by all accounts, it seems as if he's stopped loving you. It would have been easy for Abraham to say, I don't think my God cares about me, but he knew. Oh, he knew God cared about him. In our lives, it's easy for us to say, I don't think God cares about me, but, but we know. And what a beautiful testimony that is to the people around us. When we are going through the ringer, when we are going through the gauntlet of this life, and we are able to look and smile and say, you know what, I know Contrary to everything we're seeing in my life right now, I know I have a God on high who loves me, who defends me, who has saved me, and who will bring me home to be with him someday. That's a beautiful expression of faith. And it's an expression of faith that only comes from from God himself. It is why we are thankful that faith is a gift, because if faith were something we worked out by ourselves, if that were something that was created in us by ourselves, oh, It would kind of turn out the way that a lot of other things that we do in this life turn out. Imperfect and tattered. But instead, and I ask you today, peace, hear me clearly. God has given you a perfect faith. And that doesn't mean it's one that doesn't sometimes falter and and doubt. What a perfect faith means is he has given you a faith that is strong enough to trust him that he is your all in all, your salvation, and that he has made atonement for you. That is perfect faith. And that is the faith that Abraham had and the faith that you and I have. You know, I was talking to the kids earlier and I was talking to them about jumping off the roof. You're welcome, parents. (laughs) And there are these times where I think we're standing on the edge of the roof and we look down and, and for whatever reason, we just don't see God. He's there, but it just doesn't seem like we're seeing him. Today, I urge you to do two things. Review the power of God and review the promises of God. Let me give you a promise to start you off. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is a promise. As sure as the promise of the Savior being risen from the dead, as sure as the promise of you and I being risen from the dead, That is a promise that you can stick in your back pocket and you can walk around with all the days of your life. It's a promise from the God who sits at the bottom of the building and says, no, you you totally can jump. I'm still here. And when when you look down there and you wonder, but does my God have the power? Does he have the power to take care of the problem that exists in my life? Does he have the power to conquer sin, the devil, and the world for me? Does he have the power to conquer my doubts? 
look down and see the same God that had the power to raise someone from the dead. This thing that is so final in our lives, God had the power to overcome. His promises and his power. That's what gets us through this life. Faith in his promises and power. That's the gift that he gives to us that secures heaven for us. Amen.